How are we doing? We doing good? Good. Luke 24. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke 24. Luke 24, 45. Holy Spirit, breathe on this little talk in Jesus' name. May it be a call to us to create space in our lives for your word, that we might know you, that we might be strengthened, that we might please you. Come. We invite you to do what you want to do. Amen. Luke 24, 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and flip over to John chapter 8. So far, what did we what, what verse did we verse did we just read? Luke twenty four, what? Luke twenty four forty five. So now I want you to read John eight thirty seven. Yes, I realize you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. Or if you look at the Greek, there's no space in you for my word. These folks were Jewish people who were committed to reading their Bibles. And they were set up to oppose Jesus, who is the embodiment of the will of God when he comes in the flesh. The disciples in Luke 24, they are post-resurrection disciples who have given up hope, even though Jesus is raised. And he comes to them in... Verse 25, I think it is of Luke 24, he says, Why are you so slow to believe the prophets? And then in verse 45, he opened their mind to understand the Bible. You're trying to kill me because there's no room, no space in you for my word. So I have a two point sermon, it's really simple. We need to make space in our schedule for God's word. And the second point, much more challenging, we need to make space in our heart, in our self, for God's word. You get it? Okay. Point number one, the secret of a relationship with God is to have one in private when no one's watching. The secret of prayer is praying in secret. The secret of generosity is giving when no one's watching. The secret of fasting is smiling in public and humbling yourself before the Lord and saying, this is not enough. You are my food. Your will is my food. Your presence is what I was made for. Listen, without air, humans die in a matter of minutes. Without water, we die in a matter of days. Without food, we die in a matter of months. But we also have another component to our spirit. We were created to live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's the point of fasting. 
These three, Jesus teaches his disciples to practice spiritual disciplines on purpose, which means we can exercise our will to obey certain things, to put certain disciplines, certain spiritual practices in our lives so that God has something to work with, to shape, to mold. He will put a, we were made to burn with passion for him. We were made for the living water that only Jesus can supply, but there's a qualification. Whoever is thirsty, let him come and drink. You have to thirst and you have to come and drink. It is possible to say the right words, make Jesus a confession, but not come, not drink, not be satisfied, and not burn with the passion, not overflow with the life of Jesus, not believe even when our eyes say otherwise. Two things. We have to make space in our life for his word. You know right now if you're doing that, if you are going after him with resolution and discipline, saying no to the instant gratification monkey, and yes to I will go after you, God. I want you more. You know if you're doing that in your schedule. And number two, you might not be as clear about this, but that will be powerful and effective only if there's actually space in you for the word once you get there. And that is cultivated by one way and one way alone. Surrender. It's not the one who calls on Jesus. It's not the one who quotes the Bible. It's not the one who goes to church that knows the Lord. It's the one who does the will of the Father. He will put a fire on you. Christians were designed to burn with a passion from the moment they're born again until they get home into glory. We were designed to burn with the fires and the in- of, of intimacy. We were designed to burn. John the Baptist was a burning and shining light, but the least in the kingdom is greater than him. The one, he baptized with water for forgiveness, but after him comes another one whose, whose, whose shoes John the Baptist said, I'm not worthy to touch. I'm not worthy to stoop down and tie a sneaker. And he will baptize, not with water for forgiveness, but with the Holy Spirit and, and the fire will burn up all the chaff. Everything in your life will be pushed out by a superior and greater love. This is not a self-improvement program. This is not try harder, do better. This is go deeper with Jesus, put more on the altar and the fire of his love and the, and the actual internal, oh, you're beautiful, will drive out everything in your life that is causing you to be dead on the inside. Are you with me? The fire only falls on sacrifice, but he will burn everything we put on the fire. Are we potted plant Christians or are we planted? Potted plant Christians are Christians who think of Sunday as the day to get filled up for the week. And because they have no root, they make a big fuss over stuff that doesn't matter, like how the worship went. Grow up. You're a baby, and you're acting like a whiny baby. The issue is not how the worship went. The issue is how did you worship? 
And that is going to be directly related to whether your potted plant, needing the preacher to pour water in you before you die, or rooted deeply by streams of living water. Because all week long you were in the book, in the place of prayer, in the place of intimacy, in the place of surrender, hearing God, knowing God, doing his will, and showing up on Sunday ready to have an overflow into the lives of everyone around you. Boy, I sound mean today, don't I? Should I smile more? Should have started with a joke. Let's go there. Good job, Bunny. We're almost there, Bunny. Let's go back up a few verses. She said, the truth will set you free. Let's go back up a few verses. Verse 34, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. That's his response to them saying, but we're Jewish. But we're church people, God. What's she talking about loss? What's she talking about in slavery? I'm church people. I believe the right things. What are you talking about? He says, uh, yeah, but your attitudes reveal you're not free. I don't care where you go. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you claim you believe. You're not free. Whoever sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no space in your, in, among you for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father. But you're following the advice of your father. That's not exactly a good report. That's not what you want to hear. (laughs) But I believe the right things. Actually, you're of the devil. What? But doctrinally, I'm right. I know. That's why your doctrine is less important to the Lord than your love. There's a fascinating... This is just a really fascinating... If you continue in my word, you are my disciples. And then you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It's a, it's a, it's a very clear causal progression. Starts with what, though? If you continue in my word, you will become my learners, being taught directly by Jesus how to walk God's paths. And then you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. So, uh, if you continue in my word, got to make space in our life for his word. We got to make space in our heart for his word. We got to make space in our schedule. We got to make space in our heart. How do you make space in your schedule? You grow up and you begin to act like a mature adult who's able to tell yourself no, who's able to put something in the calendar and keep your commitments even when it hurts who's able to sit there with your Bible open and say, God, I don't like this book. It's boring to me and confusing and I don't understand it. I need you to baptize me in your Holy Spirit and open my mind so that I might understand your word. Instead of make excuses for why you find the Bible boring. You're just basically saying, I'm a quitter. I don't need to bear fruit and I'm not responsible for the book. But we were made to burn. We were made for life. God, don't, don't let this land as legalism on anybody in Jesus' name. 
The Lord wants us free of all these absurd things we think will satisfy us. We trust in our wealth thinking it will satisfy us. But Bible says it's unreliable. How much is enough? More? It's always more. It's an endless treadmill. It's an idol. It's a snare. It's a noose around your neck. We trust in people to tell us who we are if we give us enough compliments or give us enough strokes or give us enough callbacks. But there's a fountain of living water that is all the love you will ever need to be able to actually have what you need so that those very people that you were once enslaved to, now you can speak life and bless them when they curse you. Thirst, come and drink. It's real simple qualifications. It's not like become more spiritual than you are. Nonsense. You're ready now. He's available now. It's not fellowship with a list of rules. You're not going to the Bible to read a whole bunch of other stuff that you then have to go do before God will ever be pleased with you. That's not what we're doing. We're in pursuit of a romantic relationship. We're in pursuit of the depths of our being. We're in pursuit of the very meaning of our lives. We're hunting God. It's the ultimate treasure hunt. The kingdom is like a man who found buried treasure hidden in a field, and in his joy, not in his guilt, because Tim yelled a lot, in his joy, he sold everything. Why? Because he saw something that was more valuable than everything he had, and he was happily willing to throw it all away to make space for this thing. You know, that's, that's, Jesus says that that's what the kingdom is like. That's what we do. We throw away everything else to find him, but that's also what he does. He leaves heaven, he leaves the endless worship of the angels, and he leaves everyone serving him to come be the servant of all, be misunderstood, hated, abused constantly. Like His life was not easy. But you were worth it. I was worth it. He bought the treasure in the field because you meant that much to him. The question is, We've been, we've been praying, we've been crying, we want more of you, God, we want more of you. And I feel in my spirit so deep I could yell, I want more of you. I will burn everything you put on my altar. What's missing? What's wrong? You're not here. You're not in the game. You're asleep in the light. Jesus tells a parable in, in, in Luke chapter 8 and in Mark chapter 4 about the various soils. A farmer goes out. The kingdom is like this. A farmer goes out to sow his seed, and as he scatters seed indiscriminately, it falls on four different kinds of soil. Path, stony, thorny, good. Path, stony, thorny, good. Path, stony, thorny, good. Path, stony, thorny, good. Is he going to keep saying that? Yep. Past stony, thorny, good. I'm investigating the contents of the... It's like a cupboard. It's like grandma's cupboard up in here. Magnet light. Oil. Paper clip. Guitar picks. Two pencils and a Bible. What's that? And an empty water bottle. And more things that are even more boring. Path, stony, thorny, good. Where are you? Seed goes on the path. No understanding is there and the devil swipes it away before it can even land. Path. Stony. 
The word comes, immediate joy. Yes, we're going to do this thing. It's on. Yeah. But as soon as hard times come, ah, it's not worth it. No root. No root. Path stony, thorny. Among the thorns, seed comes. We start well. But then these other things planted in the same soil suck away all the nutrients, making the word unfruitful. You know what it says? The cares, the worries of this life, and the pleasures. It's not just the troubles. It's the worries and the pleasures. And what does that mean in regular terms? Other things stole attention. Where are you? Fourth soil, good soil, seed comes, perseveres, put down roots, thick and thin, stay the course, going deep, end up with fruit, crazy fruit. We all know that's what you want. Where are you? What's your soil? Don't say it out loud. We don't need that. A lot, of, a lot of y'all, if you're honest, and there was no condemnation, if you knew there was no condemnation in Christ, and you knew this was just a loving invitation to really live, and, and you weren't performing for anyone else's attention, and you didn't have to say the right thing to look good in front of your friends, if you were really honest, you'd be like, I'm soil number two. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I went on for a while, and then this happened, that happened, and I said, you know what? You know what? It's not fair for God to expect me to live this radical way if they're going to do that or if this is going to happen, or if that's going to happen. It's not reasonable. It's not reasonable. I still believe, but we're going to stay coasting in that department, and we're going to do some not, not huge moral sins over here. Not, not huge moral sins. We're not, no, no, no. It's just acceptable replacements to fill my hungry heart. Or maybe your soil number three, the thorns, where you, you, know, you, you mean well, and you still got that anointing in you, but it's not getting out of you because it doesn't have your attention. There's just worries and pleasures that matter more. And you know they matter more because your schedule tells you so. The, the issue of life is the issue of the heart, and the issue of the heart is what gets your attention. What gets your attention sets your direction and creates your destiny every time, always. That's what Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Whatever has your attention is going to get your money too, by the way. But your biggest treasure is not your money. Your biggest treasure is your, is your attention and your time. Whatever you give your attention to, your time to, it grows bigger in you, period, every time. Every time. Point one, make space in your schedule for God's word. And I don't just mean like read the Bible like a good little and go after him. It's about relationship. The point of his word is to know him. The point of his word is to know him. Seek encounters with him. Seek to hear his voice. Seek to understand his ways. That great prayer of Moses that said, God, show me your ways. I want to know you. I don't want to go anywhere without you. It's all about you. What would be the point? Just kill me now if you're not coming along. You feel that? That's new covenant heart in an old covenant man. 
It's Paul saying, I want to know you. No cost is too great. I'm not a baby. I'm not a whiner. I'm not a victim. Jesus is Lord. I'm going after him. If obeying him makes me to suffer, then great, because now I know the fellowship of his sufferings. I'm being conformed like him in his death. Also, then God is raising me, and the weaker I am, the more his strength is available to me. The more desperate and unsure of myself I become, the more sure I am that he's with me, because look at this. Resurrection is springing up from all the graves of what I've gone through. And as I give myself to him, time and again, I find myself being renewed. Can you feel that? That's just normal Christianity I'm talking about. That's not like revival Christianity. That's just normal. Now, I don't want to give the impression that I'm preaching to a whole bunch of people who aren't living this. I don't. I want you to hear this as a challenge. So if you're walking this, hear it as a keep going. But if you're off the path... In, in the wrong kind of, becoming the wrong kind of soil? Repent today. This is an opportunity to go hard while you're alive after Jesus and find your life more deeply rooted in Christ. It's two times in the New Testament Paul says to be rooted in Christ. <clears throat> I'm, if you're a potted plant Christian, I will water you as best I can, but eventually there's only one of me and church is going to fail you. Churchianity just doesn't work too good. It, it just doesn't work too good. Churchianity doesn't work good. I know, it's bad grammar. Deal with it, right? But Christianity, being rooted in Christ, makes you the solution to the problems that the carnal believer is freaking out about. Should I end? Okay, let's, let's, let's end. Where do we go today? We went to Luke 24. Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Wow, how awesome is that? Jesus gives understanding of the... Only God can reveal God. Like, you can have childlike faith and be an intellectual. Last weekend I was away. The guy who ran sound did, did the engineering, the sound engineering and whatever, and he was... I don't know what the heck degree he has, physics engineering. I don't know. That dude was ridiculously smart. But when I went to pray over him, the prophetic word that came to me was that he had, the, he had childlike faith. I said, what a, what a fascinating thing. He has this huge intellect, but when it comes to the issues of life, the issues that matter, the issues of the heart, the issues of relationship, that man, that man had childlike trust in God and devotion to God and joy in God. The whole time he's back there with his camera and all of his weird setup, it's, all, it's very technical. He's back there and he's got this huge smile on his face. Because he was just lit up with the joy of the Lord. I said, oh my goodness. Somebody would go out on the ground and Holy Spirit would be ministering deep healing to wounds. And he'd be like. I said, oh great. We can do this thing. There's, it's a can-do gospel. We have a happy God, happy gospel, happy Christian. Or you could do it the other way. Like <laughs> A lot of people are trying. Angry God, anxious world, ticked off Christian. By the way, I feel fine, and this craziest of elections is coming right up, right? I feel fine. Not because I'm in denial. I, I'm not in denial. But I have a kingdom that can't be shaken, you guys. I don't have a political gospel in the wrong sense and all these little politicians as messiahs. You do you, baby. You vote your conscience. But please, for the love of Pete, if you find yourself demonizing the opposition... 
you've already flipped off the path of the spirit and you're into the flesh. Promise you every time when you're, when you're demonizing the opposition. There, what's wrong with the world? I think maybe you ought to look in the mirror, buddy. I want to open the altar, something I don't do all the time anymore. I want to open the altar. Go ahead and stand. I want to open the altar. And if, if you are saying, okay, I want more. I want to drink of these wells. I want to open the altar and I want to pray over you. And I want to bless what the Lord is doing in you, is stirring in you. Let's pray. Holy Ghost, you are good. You are here to lift up Jesus. You are here to reveal the Father. I ask in Jesus' name that the conviction that has been happening in this room would not be twisted into condemnation. You have a no guilt atmosphere in your presence. You offer us upgrades and you offer us firm sometimes searing truth, but you don't judge. I love that about you, God. And so I pray in Jesus' name that guilt would go out of the room and that the real invitation that's being offered today, which is increased intimacy, that you would let that sound in every heart. In Jesus' name. Now I'm going to linger. We're still in a spirit of prayer. If you want to come up, that's fine. If y'all in the back want to put on some purdy music, that's fine too. But I want to be praying for some people. The worst thing that can happen is you introduce loads and loads of guilt into your relationship with the Lord. The invitation to discipline is not an invitation to legalism. The Lord is a big, big opponent of legalism. Law actually produces sin. Grace produces love and freedom and life and obedience. Thank you, God. You guys that are at the front, ask your request. Seek him. Invite him. Holy Spirit, we invite you to take us deeper in the place of intimacy with you, God. We invite you, Father. It's not burdensome what you're asking of us. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. God, we we eat your book. We do your will. We place our lives afresh on your altar and we invite the flames of heaven to come and ignite them. God, we we know that we are sealed with your spirit and we haven't fallen away, but we want to overflow with your presence in such a way that encouragement touches the lives of those around us, that, that the excess of life we have in Jesus. You didn't say that your spirit would come and be like a tiny drinking fountain but just enough for us. You said it would be a river. You said it would be like a river. And everywhere the river flows, new life would spring forth. Everywhere the river flows, new life would spring forth. God, I'm asking for for a wilderness season. You did not call your people into the wilderness to, to punish them. You called your people in the wilderness so that they would learn to know you better so that they would learn that man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that when they get 
to the promised land. They would have such an intimacy, such such a sense of your presence, such an understanding of your covenant that they would be able to navigate the far more dangerous ground of the promised land. Those blessings are far more dangerous than the wilderness. And unless we've learned to eat your word and stay faithful to you in everything, then we're not going to handle it. We'll be too distracted. We'll, We'll start to follow other gods. So Holy Spirit, more. Put fire on these hearts. Put fire on these prayers. In Jesus' name.